Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to week two of Why People Cheat. And this obviously is one of the most sensitive topics we've ever had on the podcast to date so far. And yet one of the most helpful because there's so many people that I receive emails from that have said, Matt, I've been cheated on, um, or I'm the one who did the cheating. And what do we do in the aftermath of working through this? And today I have with me my friends, my clients, and special guests. Before their anonymity, we're going to go ahead and change their names. We're going to call them Hannah and Dave, and they have graciously been willing to share one of the most sensitive topics of their story so that it might benefit you and the friends that you have that would be listening to this podcast. And so today, we're going to be focusing on the side of the person who has actually been cheated on. And so for today, we actually have Hannah with us this morning. And so Hannah, thank you for being willing to share your stories. Yeah, thank you for having me. So tell us what happened with you guys. Tell us a little bit about you and you guys are actually engaged to be married. And uh, when are you guys getting married? We're getting married in May, later this spring. May of 2019. So it's coming up really quick. And so you guys have been just incredible to work with. You guys have grown so much through premarital coaching. You are one of my most mature couples I have, but you yourself have gone through the pain and experiencing of an affair. And so tell us about that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's been quite the road for us. We've been together for a little over six years now. It's been a really fun six years. But right around year four was when I had found out about the affair. You know, I hadn't been the kind of partner to really police or check phones. But for a couple of months there, something just felt off. I felt myself being a little bit more cautious and guarded and really just suspicious, but couldn't put my finger on why or where that came from. And so it was a tough couple of months of just like uncertainty and things feeling kind of awkward. And then one night, Dave had me grab his phone to bring it to him. And when I clicked on it, it opened up and all of a sudden everything was out there and I was able to, you know, figure out why I had felt so uncertain. And so at that point, I just I took on his phone and asked what was going on. And it was tough. It was really hard. So what were some of the things that you were noticing that created suspicion in you in the first place? Yeah, I felt just like really disconnected even when we were like present together. I felt like he was distracted and that it was just like hard to kind of get his attention. You know, he just seemed like really to be attached to his phone, but never like he was guarding it. Like, you know, I had the password to it. I would like open it, you know, to make a call or to do things like that. So it was just enough to feel weird, but not enough to feel like, you know, I could ask about anything or imply anything but it was just yeah I felt disconnected when we were together so you open up his phone and that's the way that you found out so he didn't tell you you discovered it is that right yeah yep and so when this happened what was your reaction I said a lot of expletives I was like not very graceful in that moment I was really mad I was sad I couldn't believe it and it was like a many hours long confrontation that like I just couldn't kind of pull myself away from in terms of just like asking questions and feeling like, you know, I needed to uncover everything. There was a lot to talk through, you know, and for as crappy of a situation as it was, he was able to sit in that with me and answer the questions that I had. And it was hard. 
So did you do this like in that moment or was it after the expletives came out and the next day you guys sat together and started talking or tell us about the timing of that? Yeah, we talked through it in that moment for a very long time. And then that next morning, I went and took some space away. We came back together kind of in the afternoon and we had a lot of family around us at that point. We were actually on a trip. And so it was like during the day when we were with everybody, it wasn't something that we could talk through, which in the moment felt so hard because my head was just like kind of reeling. But I think in hindsight, it was good because we needed to flush things out, but we needed to do it in a measured way. And so we kind of like took the days to be with our family and be present. And then at night, we were able to kind of come back together after thinking through things and talk again about it. So people who have been the one being cheated on, they talk about like vacillating emotions Mm. of up and down that you go through from I love you to I hate you to hold me to don't touch me to take your shit and get out to don't leave me to you scumbag. Do you still love me to all of these things? Like, did you go through that? And if so, like, tell me about the internal world that you were going through during this time. Yeah, I look back now and like describe it as like this constant whiplash of like every minute like brought something different and it was very hard for me, but it was also very hard for him because I couldn't get out as quickly as emotions came what I needed from him, you know, and so I know that for a long time he received like a lot of like mixed signals and it was really hard for us to kind of like be successful in communicating through that time because one minute I would be so mad and need to get away and the next minute I would need to be really close to him. And yeah, it was just kind of a constant whiplash. So, you know, it's interesting when somebody finds something like this and they discover it, especially when they discover it and it wasn't told to them, there's one of three emotional responses. You fight, you flight, or you freeze. And it sounds like you were the fighter at first with the expletives. Is that what you say? Or did you kind of start with one and then go to another? Yeah, it was pretty like verbally combative. Of course, like, nothing ever got like further than that. We communicated a lot talking through things. And so initially it was that like fight. And then, you know, I would say probably like a week after it was a lot of like flight. Like I needed a lot of space. I needed to be away. So it was kind of like more focused between those two but it felt like moments of like all three all the time yeah and you know when we talk about the blitz of vacillating emotions that go back and forth it seems contradictory how long did that go on for you because i have people that just been emailing in and they're like they just discovered it last week and they're like how long am i going to be feeling like this and obviously every person's different but for you and your own story are you still having vacillating emotions and how long ago was this and how long did this happen of vacillating emotions back and forth yeah yeah it happened a little over two years ago and i would say for the first probably year and a half there was vacillating the first year there was a lot like really frequent I mean like weekly and daily kind of back and forth feelings and a lot of just like internal conflict you know it eased over time I would say probably after the first like year and a half it got a lot easier and even now it feels a lot easier it comes up for us a lot less but it always will and I appreciate the grace that he has offered me in being realistic about that because we're both moving forward knowing that this is a thing that will impact us probably always You know, it's crazy. We live in a world where today people say phrases like once a cheater, always a cheater. I imagine the podcast listeners saying, you've been going through this for a year and a half. Why did you stay? And I'm very curious for you yourself, like, you know, throughout this tumultuous season, why did you stay? Because I think it's profound 
But I would love for the listeners to hear from your perspective on that. Yeah, a couple of different reasons, really. I mean, he made a mistake, and it was a stupid mistake, and it was a big mistake. But I've made a lot of mistakes, too, just not the same kind, you know? And so I think that it would be unrealistic for me to expect perfection in a relationship, especially a relationship that I expect to last a lifetime. And so there has to be some grace in that, you know? I just believe that I am meant to take care of him and that he's meant to take care of me. Even like through that, I am the happiest when I'm with him and he is like really a best friend to me. And so, you know, it felt easy to stay in it and to stay working. I mean, as easy as it could, I suppose. Yeah. You said something to me when we talked outside of this podcast and I love it. You didn't end there though. Some people would be like, oh, is she just needy? Is she codependent or those kind of things? And you said, no, like, don't hear me say this though. Like I can stand on my own two feet. I don't need this in terms of like, I want him in my life, but I don't need him in my life. And I have my own job, my own career. I can stand on that. And yet I choose him, right? I mean, talk to me about that because that was really powerful. Yeah, definitely. A big part of the conversations that we've had from the beginning has been, you know, the grace of like, you made a mistake and I want to work on it, but also like, here are my limits, right? And my limits are, you know, to know that like, I will never allow myself to be in a position of being actually harmed or having this repeat. I think one thing that has always resonated with me is that it's my job to teach the people around me how to treat me every day. And so a big part of our conversations since the beginning has been, you know, I'm choosing to fix this with you. You're choosing to fix this with me. But if ever it doesn't work out and if it ever comes at a bigger cost, we can part because we can both live separately. And it's important that everybody feels safe and healthy and their best. And that's not something that I would compromise. And luckily, I don't think it is something that I have to compromise by saying, let's fix it. Oh, that's so powerful and so strong. Such a beautiful balance, a juxtaposition between like, I'm standing up and creating boundaries, not a wall, but a boundary offense for what I need. And yet also I choose you and that we go through this. I mean, what a beautiful thing. You guys are getting ready to get married here in a couple of months. And you understand more than I think that what in my experience after working with over 4,000 couples, more than what most engaged couples see or the beauty of marriage of, I accept the best version of you and the worst version of you in the same breath. And that's not a license for everybody to need to stay with somebody after an affair. Everybody's got their own perspective. But for you, I just see an anchor of an understanding of what a relationship means. And it's like, hey, we make mistakes. Once a cheater, always a cheater is not true. It doesn't have to be true. We can change. People say people don't change. People can change. I watch that on a regular basis and you see that in him. And I've been so proud of you and the way that you've handled this. I'm curious for you today, over two years, you're getting ready to get married. What kind of deep fears do you still have? What are some triggers that still occur in you? Because it's not like it's this linear process of just growth and all of a sudden I feel great and it didn't happen. Like this is like almost like emotional trauma. Yeah. <laughs> so it vacillates and trauma is not linear. Like one day you're great and all of a sudden another moment, it's like, boom, it just came out. So what are your triggers today and maybe some fears that you still go through? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest trigger then and now and probably forever is the phone. Like so much of what took place, most of what took place, right, occurred over the phone because it was an emotional affair in nature. And so 
any time that I perceive him to be like sucked into his phone or focused on his phone, especially at the cost of like quality time or conversation with me, like that can turn into like a blow up or a big thing pretty fast. That's far and away the biggest trigger for me is feeling like the phone comes between us. But I would say also just like lack of quality time. I think when life gets really busy and we're both kind of running our separate rat races for work and everything like that, it can feel again like we're disconnected because we just haven't fostered that quality time together. So that's usually like a big request of mine is like, hey, right now I need us both to put down what we're doing and to focus on each other. I think also when he travels or when I travel, that's really hard because again, that's like that complete separateness. And sometimes there can be like worries or thoughts of like, I can't tell what's going on right now. Like I can't see him. So I can't read how we're doing. It's really important to me to like have time with him to be able to see how he is. That helps me to know how we are. Right. And then like as silly as it is, and as much as I hate it, like her name, she has like a really common name and I hear it all the time. And I just like really can't handle it Mm. (laughs) i don't like love that it's gotten a lot better it's like exposure therapy because you just can't control who you run into right and what they're named but that is hard for me and a hard thing to admit but like a real thing yeah talk to me about cluelessness a lot of people who are victims of people who've been cheated on they feel like oh my gosh how clueless was i i didn't see it coming i didn't see the signs like what happened then they beat themselves up for that do you struggle with that at all and if so how so I did. I mean, like every now and then it'll sneak up on me. I think there's always kind of like a sense of shame or like embarrassment, right? At like this feeling of like, I've been tricked or I was foolish. But I did a lot of work on myself individually at the same time that we were working on us. Part of the work for myself was like, I am not going to take accountability for things that I'm not accountable for. And so you know, I reject the idea that like part of being in a romantic relationship is policing the other person. I think that's really easy to do, especially in this age of like technology and constant communication. And so there was part of me that thought like, you should have just been the kind of partner that checks phones or that, you know, sneaks around and makes sure, but that's not the kind of wife that I intend to be. That's never been the kind of partner that I've intended to be. And so I really try to push back on any like feelings of cluelessness or foolishness because that's just not my job to deal. That is an amazing skill and maturity that you have that everyone needs to hear. Talk to me about self-worth. Like on the heels of being cheated on, oftentimes people tell me, I just feel like I have no self-worth. I feel like I don't matter. I feel like not only am I angry, but I've lost power, but I feel like I'm unlovable. Did you struggle with that at all? And if so, how? Yeah, totally. And it was really, frankly, kind of foreign to me because I hadn't struggled with that before. You know, I made it through those like angsty teenage years and early adulthood and college with like a really solid sense of self and self-worth. And, you know, that was really taught to me my whole life in my home, which was such a blessing. And so when this happened to me as an adult, I felt like I didn't have the tools to wrestle really with that feeling of like worthlessness or being unlovable. And so Like I said, I had to do my own work around like, who am I? Who would I be if I stood on my own? If I was outside of this relationship, what would I have to offer in my profession or to a new relationship or to my family and friends? And so taking that time to be separate and to say, like, even though this happened inside a relationship, I now have to do work on just myself. 
was really powerful and a long road. And it came down to like me having to find new interests and new kind of skills and things to offer. I started like really getting into volunteering and that brought me like a lot of joy and helped me kind of realize that even if this relationship were to not work out, I would have things to do and people to spend my time with and things to offer the world. Wow, that is so powerful. If you have been cheated on, you must do things to take care of yourself, to realize that you still have value, friends. Please hear from her. This is huge. You are not a reject, although you've been rejected, and you are not a victim, although you've been abused. You are still loved and valued and honored and cherished by others, even probably your unfaithful partner, although you may not feel like that in the moment. So if you take time to do things like maybe dress up, even if you don't feel like it, you know, let your friends cook you a beautiful dinner, take a painting class, volunteer like you did, right? Go to the gym. Many people feel so much shame to do these things um, when they've been cast aside, but actually it's the thing that you need to do. You got to find ways to reclaim your value because, you know, your partner's contrition is not enough to ease your pain. Your partner express guilt and empathy is crucial for your healing. That's really important. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But your hurt, you know, is insufficient for healing. You know, if you have a damaged self-worth, like your self-worth is so, so, so important. And if you have struggled with cluelessness as well, please understand this is not something to be ashamed of. Okay. The kind of avoidance is not an act of idiocy, you guys, but it's an act of self-preservation. It's actually trauma denial. I mean, psychologists refer to these things as screen memories. And what this basically when we fixate on specific details in order to conceal the more distressing emotional aspects of the experience, that makes the trauma actually more tolerable. So if you realize like, oh my gosh, I feel clueless, you're not clueless, okay? And so what you still need to be able to take care of yourself. And so I'm curious for you, if you were to tell someone who has gone through this, what you've gone through, what would you tell them? <laughs> What are some other things that you would tell them to say, hey, you know what, this is going to help you move forward? Yeah, I think there's probably three main things. The first is that like everybody has a different road to walk. For some people, it makes sense to split up. I'm certainly not saying that everybody should stay and work through it. But I do think that there is strength in trying to fix something if you can do it safely and in a way that preserves you. And to go along with that, I think I would tell people... The thing that Dave and I did right was to guard your story. So if you're going through something like this, you are both already hurting enough and you are both already struggling with a lot and telling other people can bring about well-intentioned but like even more hurtful words. And so we worked really hard to guard this story and to keep it to only, you know, a few close people who we knew we could trust it with because there's so much value and opinion in a thing like cheating, right? And so many people will have a lot to say. And that can fog the way that you heal. Wow. So big. And then usually the advice is leave them, leave her, don't do this, who cares? You, you're better than that. And they're trying to help. Totally. But they're helping hurts. <laughs> right. And especially, yeah, I mean, like, I think technology, like in this age, it's like, it's just, you know, get on Tinder. I don't, some terrible advice like that, that you're like, this is not helping me. You know, and people are well intended, but they just don't know what to say. And it just makes it harder. So, you know, guard that story because also if you intend to work it out, like you want to move forward in life with all of your family and friends thinking the best of the two of you and not looking at that as the big part of your relationship. 
Well, you know, if you yourself or you know someone who has been cheated on, I want to give you a list of questions that you might want to write down and allow yourself to process through. And um, this is not exhaustive, but these are things that we've come up with that I've seen help a lot of people. So here's one question. What emotions are you feeling right now? And if this just happened like recently, like really you don't want to take time to like journal and try to curb your emotional outbursts. Like your anger, we show anger sometimes to be able to try to get control and power back. But really, it's not about power that you're experiencing. It's that you're feeling unlovable. And so being able to journal is going to be really helpful about what you're feeling. You know, ask yourself what hurts the most. I mean, what twisted the knife for you? You know, what are your core fears that you're still dealing with? Ask yourself this question, what made me fall in love with my partner originally? If you're married, why did you choose to marry them? Why did you choose to date them? Why did you choose to get engaged to them? Um, if you are married, what is the meaning and purpose of marriage? You know, what will getting a divorce buy you and what will getting a divorce cost you? It's really important to spend time and answer those questions because you might have immediate relief, but that decision could cause lasting struggle. So you're going to want to work through that with somebody who can actually help you and uh, navigate those waters well. Here's another question. What constitutes cheating in your eyes? You know, what kind of transgressions are forgivable and what ones are not, if any? Like, is there a close-handed thing that says this is unforgivable and then other things are? Like, answer that question. How do you define forgiveness? There's a big question. What questions do you still have for your partner that maybe are unresolved for you? What are your top values in marriage? And if you stay in the relationship, what temptations can you see yourself holding over your spouse? Okay, you mentioned this a little bit, like, you know, it's like, oh, I could just get on Tinder, right? And I could cheat back, you know, maybe I get tempted to never forgive. Maybe I'll get, you know, and I'll always have that proverbial file cabinet. And I'll use that as a card anytime I need it in a different, you know, issue, completely unrelated. So now my partners feels like, am I ever going to get over this? Are we ever going to get through this? So constant surveillance, you know, policing is what you said. Using, you know, again, that infidelity to get your own way in other areas. Self-flagellation. Playing the victim card forever, completely shutting down and walling off. Like these are just some examples that people go through and important to ask yourself, you know, although you didn't cause the cheating, how, if at all, could you have done a better job in the relationship? That's not to make you like you're the problem with that, but it always takes two to tango and what was going on? What are some things you've learned? Even just doing coaching with me and knowing what we know now about him, what are some things, if any, that you've learned that have been like, oh my gosh, this isn't give justification for it, but it, it's like, it explains a little bit about why. Totally. I think that, you know, this happened during a time that I was really distracted by getting my career off the ground. And so like tangibly, I look back and think like I could have been a lot more present when we were together. Like I think it started off with my own lack of presence and intentionality, especially during our time that probably made him feel unimportant or not focused on. Right. And we all want that. And so while it wasn't okay or fair, like he sought that because he wasn't getting that, I think, a lot out of our time together. And I think also, you know, he is a really extroverted, dynamic, like fun human being. And so he likes to go out into the world. And again, like that's not an excuse or like a pass, right? But like he was excited and had met somebody that he really enjoyed and never intended for it to become, I'm sure, what it did. But it went that way. 
Well, I am so grateful for you to sit here with us and share the most vulnerable aspect of your story as a couple for the purpose of all of us to be able to hear and learn and grow. And if you yourself find yourself like Hannah, understand that you are not alone and understand that you do have resources and understand that you don't have to make knee-jerk decisions to take your time and spend time with those who might really be able to help you navigate the waters of what to do next. And I personally have been so inspired by your story, by the way that you stayed, by the way that you struggled well and the way that you understand the meaning and purpose of a marriage and relationship. And I am so pumped to see you get married in a couple of weeks and to see how much you guys have grown through this. And so thank you, Hannah, for being on this podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, next week, you guys, we're going to hear from Hannah's fiance to see his perspective. And if you yourself have been a person who is like, I've actually been the one doing the cheating, this is going to be so profound for you as we hear his story. So stay tuned and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends. And if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.